super dope real quick hey happy sunday special extra episode me and brandon talking king the door the three-headed monster if you're not a godzilla fan and you're like semi-interested in learning more about it it's not a bad not a bad podcast we actually did a pretty good job on this one i think um that said you uh just are checking in and being like ah shit it's about godzilla i guess i better go because i don't really like godzilla well first boo on you but second wait a minute no don't go um tonight we'll be doing a live stream on youtube uh youtube.com slash dragon ball super dope me and aunt grimulia we're going to be talking about goten and trunks and their underutilization not underutilization uh I don't know, lack of utilization, um, pretty much all together in Dragon Ball Super and like what the holdup is and you know, how do we fix this? How do we write this this wrong? So if you don't um follow us or if you don't subscribe to us on YouTube, go do that. We're gonna be kicking it off at about eight thirty Eastern uh tonight, Sunday. I think today is the what, twenty seventh? There we go. Um, yeah. Eight thirty Eastern tonight, me and Aunt, go Ted and Trunks. Gonna be a banger. I just said that. All right. Hope you guys have a good Sunday. Enjoy the pod. And hopefully I'll see you for the stream tonight. Super dope. Super dope. These are all terrible. Super dope. Welcome into Dragon Ball Super Dope. My name is Kyle. Thank you for checking this out. Well, the name of the show is Dragon Ball Super Dope. Every once in a while, we like to break off, talk about some other shit, weirdly. Uh, one of those things that we like to dip into once in a while is the Godzilla film franchise. Uh, and fortunately, uh, amongst a stable of uh, Super Dope hosts, we have a Godzilla expert in Mr. Brandon, Doczilla. Brandon, Woo. what's up, dude? How are you doing? What up? So a special extra episode uh, for you. I think this will be up on Sunday. I'm saying that to maybe make me do it on Sunday, but I'm going Sunday. I'm going Sunday. Good one, dude. Um, yeah. So today we're going to be talking about King Ghidorah, the three headed monster. Um, this is what the fifth film in the Godzilla franchise. Is that right? Three giant monsters. The greatest battle on earth. Is the fifth in the series. Um, is that the uh, the Japanese title? Yeah. Oh, hell yeah. They always have the greatest titles. They really do. At least uh, for a while. Yeah, until they get uh, not so inspired or not so, you know, over the top. <laughs> um, this is an interesting film, uh, in my opinion, in the Godzilla franchise. Um, you know, admittedly, I started these podcasts with Brandon on Godzilla uh, as very much a Godzilla, you know, novice. Um, however, we did our first Godzilla podcast now, probably close to two years ago. Yeah. Uh, that said, uh, I don't know the, the, the things that I have come to learn about Godzilla. This film is most, uh, notable, uh, in this stretch of films for not only being the, you know, the first, uh, appearance of King Ghidorah, one of the most, no probably, um, Godzilla's most, um, notable enemy would you say that's true maybe oh absolutely I, I would rank him as the most popular um probably uh he is the one who you know fights godzilla the most in terms of enemies 
um, more so than Mechagodzilla and, you know, um, generally every time there is a reboot in the Godzilla series, King Ghidorah has to appear at least once, if not twice or three times. I mean... So much to the point that we already saw him in the Universal, uh, or the Legendary, rather. Um, yeah, movies. in the MonsterVerse series. I mean, yeah. it took just, you know, the first sequel in the MonsterVerse series, King Ghidorah has to already hit the stage and throw down, so. He is a badass. So, it's notable for that reason. It's also notable for the fact that this is the second Godzilla movie in the year 1964. It's the only year where there is two Godzilla movies that come out in one year. Um, the previous one, uh, Mothra versus Godzilla from 19, uh, April of 1964. Yep. Um, so it's notable for that reason as well. The only year in which two Godzilla movies come out. But this is also sort of the notable um, sort of like uh, descent in terms of the original creative team for Godzilla. And Ishiro Honda, Iji Tsuburaya, and Tomoyuki Tanaka, the producer. Uh, and that the monsters uh, kind of talk a little bit. <laughs> like they take on, they're anthropomorphized. I think I just said that word properly yeah. uh, at a certain point in this film. And uh, the director, Ishiro Honda, uh, yeah, I think this is when his patience with the Godzilla movie series started to, you know, sort of run a little thin. Yeah, I mean, you know, King Kong versus Godzilla and Mothra versus Godzilla really kind of, you know, have um, ideas that are starting to be more geared towards children. You know, the fights are choreographed and they're a little bit more humorous. Some of the darker, heavier themes are are kind of removed for lighter hearted themes. Um, but by Ghidorah, the three headed monster, you're really, I think, starting to see that the game is up for the series to be very serious, at least until 1971. Um, you know, it's going to be more fun and for kids and, you know, yeah, there's going to be some action and some destruction, but it's not going to be really a, a you know, have a serious overtone to it. Yeah. Um, and with that being said, I think it's also worth noting that even though it is the second movie in the year for Godzilla, um, it wasn't exactly planned that way. Um, Toho, I guess, was producing a movie called Redbeard that was late in its production and uh, basically said, what are we going to fill that slot with? And decided, hey, we just had some big success with this Godzilla and Mothra crossover earlier in the year. We already got the suits going. Uh, what if we do the Toho crossover plus one more and really up the ante and add Rodan, who had not appeared in a movie at this point for, what, eight, nine years? Eight 19- years, yeah, 56. And, you know, you also see the kind of un- undisclosed retcon uh, because... Uh, you know, at the end of the original Rodan movie, the two Rodans are thought to be killed by um, a volcanic eruption. Um, so when this Rodan appears in Ghidorah from Mount Aso, where the last movie ended, um, it's unclear whether this is one of the Rodans that survived and is kind of um, what what do you call it when you're you're you know entombed you know like either frozen or you know. uh yeah uh and and 
become you know inanimate Preserved. or something yeah 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 <laughs> or is it an offspring of the original two rodan that perhaps the egg was laid before the two were killed um nevertheless it is a you know full-size adult rodan um that appears where the last two were entombed um in 1956 at mount aso so you have these three big monster properties for Toho coming together on the screen for the first time, uh, second time of the year for Godzilla and Mothra. And then you've got the introduction of King Ghidorah. On paper, to me at least, that sounds like a pretty good uh, recipe uh, for some success. Yeah. However, as uh, is typically often complained about in Godzilla movies, People tend to uh, get a little upset about the human quotient of these uh, mm-hmm. movies. And this movie is really, really over the top with some of the human performances. Yeah. Uh, specifically, and I guess it's just, you know, a sign of the times, you know, in the mid 60s. But this movie for the human uh, scenes in it and the human plot aspects, it's just a James Bond wannabe thing going on in Japan and also Godzilla's fucking shit up too. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 very strong James Bond vibes. It's cool because there's a kind of continuity from, you know, Mothra versus Godzilla, where scientists and um, how do I say press people work together for the common good. Um, But yeah, they now introduce a third element of a police officer, sick bodyguard. Um, who is protecting a princess who is trying to save her country from falling into kind of a communist nation. Um, and assassins try and kill her as they, they killed her father, presumably the king of this um, kind of fantasy, fantasy for a nation. Uh, so it's, it's really neat to kind of see these three different lines converge. Um, where they're making it a, a quasi action film, both in monster content as well as human content. The other aspect or the other genre that I don't think we really included there is the science fiction aspect part of it. Yeah. Where all of the other monsters, like Godzilla, comes from, you know, the radiation from the sea. Uh, yeah. Rodan comes from a fucking volcano underground. Mothra comes from an island somewhere in the GDC. GDC is a fun thing to say. Yeah. Uh, King Ghidorah comes from outer space. Yeah. And this princess character that needs this bodyguard to protect her, she gets possessed by a spirit in like the first or second scene of the movie. Yeah. That compels her to like straight jump out of a plane in this very dramatic opening scene, almost to the point where I was like, yo, that's right. This is a Godzilla movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's interesting because while you have space themes in former Toho movies, you have the Mysterians and probably by this time I have to check the battle in outer space. You don't see it in a Godzilla movie yet. It's still a very earth centric um, series. So this now introduces that element of beyond earth um, that will very quickly be uh, used again and again and again and again um, to a point where, you know, almost the extreme majority of um, the series will rely on, you know, some form of outside world intrusion. Um, There are, you know, um, you know, a few examples that aren't, but the majority of them will start using, you know, outer space as a a conduit of evil or the, the, the problem um, that has to be dealt with. Yeah. So, 
we have this new element, but, uh, you know, in terms of a threat from outer space, you have this uh, princess who's now um, a Martian, quote unquote, possessed by a Martian or a, or a Venusian. So in in the Japanese version, she is um, going to be uh, a a individual whose family has escaped Venus. I think it was like five thousand years ago or five million years ago. I forgot what she said, um, but essentially, you know, a, a civilized Venus that has been obliterated by King Ghidorah, um, perhaps due to um, the um, kind of limited thought process of Americans. Um, when the movie comes out in America on a double bill with an Elvis Presley movie, they water <laughs> it down and say she's from Mars, therefore she's a Martian. Um, but, you know, it's very explicit in the Japanese version. She is a Venusian um, from the planet Venus. As, yeah, from the planet Venus. Uh, as in from the planet Venus. Um, and I think the other notable thing is because we kind of harped on that James Bond vibe and like the secret, you know, protection and lots of guns and scientists stuff yeah, yeah, going yeah. on. The actress who plays the princess in this movie actually is a James Bond girl. Yeah. Um, fuck. I need to grab. I need to grab her name. Obviously. Uh, it is. Nope. I got you. Okay. Kiko Wakabayashi. Um, and she, she was the Bond girl in the movie. You only live twice. Yeah. And I didn't know that until I was putting together show notes for our conversation today, you know, earlier this afternoon, watching that movie, like she's like a normal, you know, princess looking girl in that first flight. She jumps off the plane. She's saved, you know, or, or you know, still alive. And then the next scene, she, she shows up like dressed like Bob Dylan almost with that yeah. weird, like brown hat on her head. And it just looks very, very strange. But you know, I'm thinking, what the hell is this girl doing in this James Bond movie right now that's supposed to be a Godzilla movie? And then it turns out she's actually a James Bond girl all yeah. along. And it's interesting because she is um, going to be side by side with another Godzilla alumnus, Mihama, uh, also in You Only Live Twice, who will appear in King Kong vs. Godzilla, as well as... Um, no, I think that's the only one she appears in. Um, in the Godzilla series. So, so she too was a Bond girl. She's also was in, that, in, in that movie. Yeah. So that's that's pretty interesting that they use both of those actresses later on um, when they make You Only Live Twice. But she's the one that sort of brings not only like the premonition of the great destruction about to come to the planet Earth. Yeah. But she also tells us that Rodan is eventually going to awake once the threat of Ghidorah uh, is known and, and Rodan's going to awake as well, or does she, which, wh what's the order of that? Yeah. So she will appear as a prophetess. Um, cool first. Word. Yeah. So when she first appears, you know, she says terrible things are going to happen. Um, you know, you need to listen to me. Um, and she goes to Mount Aso, uh, where she says, look, you know, Rodan's going to appear. And, you know, Mount Aso seems to be like this tourist attraction because people are going there and the scientists are like, yeah, okay, you know, you have almost no chance that Mount Aso is going to erupt at any time. This lady's crazy. And sure enough, um, Rodan appears. Um, and then shortly thereafter, she appears at a cruise ship that ironically is also going to ferry um, the twin fairies who are the guardians of Mothra on Infant Island. Who Sho have Shojinji, is that the right term? Sho Shojin, yeah. 
um, who are, you know, leaving Japan after recently appearing on a Where Are They Now TV show where they they help bridge the continuity of Godzilla movies saying that, you know, we're here to talk about Mothra. These little kids want to see Mothra. And that yeah, and they uh, kind of give you like the and that's what I really liked about this movie to the point where I was like, yo, wait a minute. They're making yeah. this really cool concerted effort to make the continuity between continuity, the last film yeah. that came out at that point, what, less than six months, eight months previous. Pretty much, yeah. It was really and, cool to to see the connectivity between it, the concerted effort between it, to see the 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 fairies, the uh the peanuts played by the peanuts, yep. who by the way were pop stars uh in Japan doing like weird traditional Japanese folk songs and shit like that I before like they got drafted, uh drafted or uh picked up by the Watanabe uh talent agency and eventually huh. made their way into those films uh for the first half of the 1970s. That's pretty uh, dope, yeah. It's super super cool story, but uh, you know, they actually died within the last like I think one died in 2012, one died in 2016. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so sorry um, for the downer on the peanuts, but anyway, I appreciated the concerted effort to bring them onto that scene. It's like a where are they now television show like you said. Yeah. And to see um, those two cross over and to know, all right, now we've got two big monsters that are going to inevitably converge. Also, I know this is a Godzilla movie. That's three bad things about to happen, and I can't wait to see it. Yeah. You know, and they they talk about how, you know, one of the Mothras, they don't say it was directly from the fight, but they say that one of the Mothras dies. They're both larvae, but the other survives and is doing well. And so when they go to take this cruise ship home, you know, the prophetess, the Venusian appears and says, you know, this ship can't sail because Godzilla is going to appear and will destroy the ship. And, you know, she's two for two. Of course, he shows up, um, destroys the ship immediately and begins to wade ashore where he starts to destroy, um, you know, the port city that he attacks in. Um, but he quickly gets distracted by the supersonic sound above him, which is Rodan flying, um, you know, and kind of. I guess, taunting him in a way. Um, so it's inevitable that those two converge and begin attacking each other in a perhaps alpha male-esque manner. Godzilla versus Rodan, first big kaiju fight of the movie, a battle eight years in the making. Um, good times. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, despite, you know, what Brute just drove me nuts was, you know, Rodan appears and, like, no one seems to be really concerned. Like, you know, so when Godzilla appears, now you start seeing people panicking and, you know, but the prophetess is like, look, the worst is yet to come. You know, you guys still won't listen to me. Ghidorah, which, you know, appears at the very beginning of the movie as meteorites hitting, um, you know, a valley and a mountainside um, begins to form from this kind of tumor emerging out of these meteorites. Um, and sure enough, he, you know, eventually hatches and begins to destroy, you know, anything in his path. So, you now have three different monsters either, you know, destroying cities in their wake or concerned with fighting each other. On the collision course. You know, to me, what's what's kind of great about this movie is, although it's geared towards kids, to me, Godzilla seems not like, you know, a typical hero, but an anti-hero where he's not you know, doing it to save the day, he's, you know, he's still destroying things in his path, you know, it's, it's very kind of almost like Venom, where it's not really 
for others, it's for him that, you know, he's willing to, to make a difference. So I think that that is a good way to put it. Like this is still Godzilla as, you know, not the big destructive force of the tsunami or a nuclear bomb. Like we talked about with Godzilla 54, but yeah, he is this thing that emerges once every few years and fucks up a city like an, any natural disaster would even still. Yeah. I, In you this know. movie, he hasn't gone that full tilt tour. I mean, we're, we're definately set on the path on that, uh, toward that in this movie. Yeah. Uh, but he's not full blown like doing karate kicks and flying through the air, uh, you know, striking poses and doing victory dances or anything like that. Soon. Soon. I know. Soon. Soon. Um, he's not doing anything like that. But what's always funny to me about this, uh, thinking about this movie or like any team up with Mothra, basically, is even though Godzilla is the guy who is billed first in most, uh, I think, all cases. Yeah. Um, it's always a Godzilla movie. Mothra is like the quote unquote good one. She's the good one in this film. She's the hero. She's the one that the peanuts eventually have to try to call up to come defend the day or the both of them. They get, do they get two of them? No, because two of them are dead in this one. One of them dies. Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me about the peanuts and the continuity and the peanuts. I got to stop calling them the peanuts. Talk to me about the fairies who Mm -hmm. summon Mothra, but in the last movie, it's kind of left in. I don't remember exactly how. The Mothra movie leaves off. The last Mothra movie leaves off with... So the last Mothra movie leaves off with the two larvae that have hatched um, in the egg that washes the shore. Eventually, uh, corner Godzilla on a small island that he goes to um, and encase him in, you know, their webbing. And he falls off into the ocean and I guess gets, you know, sent out by the currents. Um, and the two larvae return to Infant Island, where they're the protectors of. Um, and, you know, this is after the humans have to beg the fairies for help. There's nothing else that can be done to stop Godzilla. Um, and so they kind of are called upon again to, to beseech Mothra, or to call Mothra to Japan to kind of, you know, defend the nation against this new threat. Um, but the new idea is perhaps as Mothra's only a larvae and stands no chance against King Ghidorah, they, she can, you know, rally Godzilla and Rodan to be teammates to dispatch this outer world threat. And ultimately that's, I mean, I said it to you when we watched it together the other day. Um, it's always weird to me to see Mothra in just the larva form, yeah. larvae form. Yeah. Because when I think of Mothra, I think of with, you know, the wings, man. The Imago form, the yeah. Imago. That like the Super Saiyan Mothra form. That's yeah, that's yeah, what yeah. we talked about the other day. The final uh, form, yeah. I think about Mothra in her Imago form, aka her Super Saiyan form. Yeah. So this movie, you do not see her do that once. It yeah. is just her in that larvae form trying to negotiate a truce between Rodan and Godzilla and herself to be able to combine forces to beat King Ghidorah. It's just really weird to see her snake it all around like some hot snakes. Right. Like crawlers. The suit still exists because it'll be used in... Um, With all the wheelie wheels? No, no, no. The, the Imigo suit. The Imigo suit still exists oh. as far, far as I know, which is going to be used in um, a later Godzilla film. Um, big duel in the South Seas. 
oh, you're talking about still exists in the year 1964. Yeah. So, so I think a big part of this movie having to be like a late slate addition to fill in for this movie Redbeard was, yeah. we already had the Godzilla suit. We already got the Mothra suit. Let's bust the Rodan suit out from uh, storage. I don't know if it's the same one or not from 1956. I think it's a new one. It's definitely a new head at very least. Yes, definitely a new head because this head looks kind of stupid compared to the original Rodan. Yeah, movie. I want to say it's just a new suit. I'd have to look that up and... Maybe some of our listeners could, you know, send us a comment if they know better. Yeah, nobody comments. I'm sure it's like 90 per, I'm like 90% sure it's a new Rodan head at a minimum, if not an entirely new costume. Yeah, but yeah, I yeah. think the cost efficiency aspect part of it, I mean, because the larvae was in the previous movie as well. There were two of them. Yeah. Oh, there were two of them. But doesn't that suit like use wheels to be able to slither around or am I confusing that with another suit? No, you're right. Word. Um, so that's basically, um, Mothra's function in this movie, uh, besides breaking up the fight between Godzilla and Rodan with her, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, what are they, what is it called? The spray shot? It's like a Caterpie thing, but yeah, they're, they're webbing. Yeah. Silk spray. Yeah. Silk spray. I mean, it looks like, it looks like cum, but it's not. So it webs them up real good. Um, Godzilla gets webbed first, I believe. Yeah, and then, so and then Rodan gets webbed, and so, then Godzilla laughs about Rodan getting webbed. I they just wanted both to do, point yeah. that out. So Mothra goes to meet with them as they're fighting to discuss this, you know, attempt at alliance. And basically, and, the 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 fairies are the ones who are like kind of communicating it to the humans who are present in the audience themselves. They're like, translating, yeah. This is what Mothra is up to right now, and. There's no subtitles or anything for, you know, the, the monsters or anything. I hasn't gotten to that point yet, but yeah. the monsters are now able to, uh, you know, call a, a temporary truce to hold counsel and decide what the best course of action is in order to defeat the big monster from space. And Just wanted to say that. And in- inevitably, they are too far in disagreement to complete the alliance, so Mothra eventually gives up and says, I'll fight King Ghidorah by myself. And that perhaps is the breaking point in which Godzilla and Rodan kind of see this, this outmatched bravery and agree to set aside their differences. You know, they both agree that there's no need to, to save humanity because they are constantly attacking Godzilla and Rodan. And Rodan can just easily fly away. Godzilla can swim away. What's the point? Um, And, you know, Mothra has to beseech them with, you know, this is our planet too. You know, whatever consequences occur will directly affect all of us. Um, So when Mothra gives up and goes to fight King Ghidorah, Godzilla and, and Rodan, you know, kind of see this noble effort and change their minds. And now it's three monsters against one you know so do you do you stack it up or do you chalk it up to them acknowledging the noble effort and being like hey let's go do the right thing too or i i watched that scene being like hey look at this new guy beating up on that old guy that we used to beat up on yeah right that's my Um, guy to beat up on why don't you fuck off like nobody beats up my little brother or little sister in this case i guess yeah i i'd like to think it's a little bit of both yeah where you know they're they're kind of you know, they they take this this noble effort as, you know, 
she's clearly outmatched against this threat. This isn't fair. You know, we should do something about it. And, you know, they, they do. And they, they end up teaming up against, you know, King Ghidorah and, and overthrowing this new threat to the earth. Um, I think it's a really fun fight. I mean, yeah. this is the first time that we see, you know, a four-way match, three-on-one, whatever. Um, like I said, Mothra's not in her Imago form, so the um, ingenuity, and I guess I'm going to call it ingenuity only as a way to segue over to the shot of her, like, riding on Rodan's back and just yeah. spraying that silk shot at King Ghidorah is one of my favorite things this movie had to offer by far. No, I, I thought that was really creative, you know, and perhaps that's why they didn't use the Imago form. Is you know oh they don't want two flying monsters, good point. Um, you know and and or, honestly, or three flying monsters at that point. You know King Ghidorah's yeah, flying around too. Exactly, but two flying against one, you know. Um, and honestly, I don't know the Imago form of Mothra's uh, a little too OP. Well, it, it was a li- I don't know what skills she would have possessed against. Maybe a know. skill to put that space bitch to sleep. You know, yeah. I mean, you see, like, for example, you know, when, when King Ghidorah is chasing Rodan, Rodan does a 180 and kind of kamikazes right into King Ghidorah, you know? So even though it, he is limited in his arsenal of attacks, you know, he uses his own bulk body as, as a weapon. So the choreography between, you know, the fights are, or the, the choreography between the kaiju um, yeah. is definitely notably more... I don't know, intentional, less animalistic. Like that's one of the things that I yeah, think you yeah. and I love about the first couple of Godzilla movies, especially uh, Raids Again with his fight with Anguirus. You can still feel the visceral nature of these two oversized exactly. beasts and how they fight and how they approach the fight to each other. Exactly. In this one, it's like they're fucking picking each other up on the shoulder and shooting hydroblasts at each other's mouths. And, that sounded and, worse than I meant it. Yeah, it was. Um, you know, and there's a lot of like kicking and throwing rocks and you know, um, oh less... yeah, Godzilla just straight up put, takes a boulder and just throws it at dude's head and yeah, laughs yeah. at him. Doesn't or he like, laugh at him? You know, like Rodan at one point pecks at Godzilla's head. You know, that's slightly animalistic, but yeah, it's it's not as kind of you know you would see two animals fighting. It's it's a lot more kind of choreographed and softer, you could say. Um, you know, Godzilla doesn't really use his atomic breath on King Ghidorah as much as he does on Rodan. Um, so, you know, perhaps there's limited special effects being used as well. For sure. Um, I noticed the, that the, effect too, in the lack of, uh, atomic breath. And when he does use it against Rodan, yeah. it just looks like a lot of hot air. Yeah. They, it looks like they steam don't, coming out of a grate. They don't use the animation as they did in King Kong versus Godzilla or as they will use later on, you know, um, I don't know if that's down to the special effects budget or if it's, you know, because one of the biggest things is most of the Godzilla and Rodan fights are up close puppet shots. You know, there's a lot of puppet action being used, whereas with all of the four monsters fighting, they have to use all the body suits. So it's it's a lot more limited in kind of close up shots. Yeah, what they're able to pull off from a, a camera shot perspective. Yeah, and it, it's hard, too, because, like, for example, King Ghidorah's heads are being controlled by wire, so you can't really do stuff, you know, over King Ghidorah or, you know. Well, um, 
all of this coordination between the three main monsters, Rodan, Mothra, and Godzilla, uh, to be able to combine efforts to defeat Ghidorah, it's all sort of subtle-ish. Yeah. And by subtle-ish, I mean like the anthropomorphized, ma- I think I nailed it again, all uh, right. that, that nature uh, in which they start to inhibit throughout the film. Like it's noticeable, but never to the point where you're like, all right, this is a little bit too much. Until that scene we just talked about where the peanut, gotta stop calling them the peanuts, until that scene where um, the fairies, Shojin, the Shojin? Yep. So when it gets to this eventual scene where the the Shojin, the fairies, are having to translate for the monsters, I stopped you, I stopped and looked to you and said, hey man, these monsters are just like full on having a conversation right now. Like this is kind of like the most different thing I've seen in a Godzilla movie, yeah. not in the worst way, yeah. but in a way where I was like, all right, this definitely isn't, you know, the same Godzilla that, um, you know, the same Godzilla themes are like, um, this isn't the same Godzilla aesthetic that it's I appreciated years for sure. Yeah. Movies. So when I read that the producer for this movie, Tamayuki Tanaka, did I say mm-hmm. that right? Tamayuki Damn Tanaka. Right. Yep. And the special effects wizard of all the Godzilla movies, or up until a certain point, obviously, uh, Ichi Tsuburaya. Yep. Those two very much were in favor of this change yeah. with the franchise. They were all about having a franchise that could potentially appeal more to kids. Yeah. As where the original director of all the Godzilla movies up until this point, the first six or seven, I think he does, Ishiro Honda, he had, he's like, has a very notable quote about how he felt about the anthropomorphization. Nope, yeah. that's not the right way to say it. Yeah. Where he didn't feel comfortable with this direction for those monsters at this point where they're basically taking on these human qualities. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a very... Um, I think it's kind of cool that up until this point in the film series, it's the same producer, director, special effects guy, and composer. Yeah. And I think it's original. that way through the first seven or eight movies, something like that. Um, I believe not for Godzilla's counterattack. Um, uh, it's a different, he... it's a different director. Um, for Godzilla raids again. That's um, Moriyoshi Oda. Oh, um, Ishiro Hana didn't direct raids again, huh? No, hmm. uh, he directs King Kong versus Godzilla, and he he does Mothra versus Godzilla as well. Gotcha. So um, four out of the first five. Yeah. And then he will be back for um, the Great Monster War, which will be the sequel to this. So he had some very notable um, disagreements with the creation or the production team, the other people on the production team. As as often as they're kind of delegated to their own respective roles, producer, special yeah. effects director. They really do sound like they were, a, uh, they were a team on everything in this kind of stuff, yeah, at least yeah, in terms yeah. of the creative vision and direction. Would you say that's accurate or for sure? For sure. And, you know, I think, you know, like you said, individuals like Tomoyuki Tanaka, I think could see further ahead and kind of, you know, see that the way the wind was blowing to keep this viable was to make it more kid-friendly and, you know, make it softer. Um, Because, you know, at that point, too, how many times can you kind of rehash a a very serious idea about, you know, atomic weaponry and nuclearization um, that 
isn't going to get old. So to keep the vehicle running, they have to keep, you know, upping the ante with new ideas and new things to to go for. And what's popular, you know, you, you by the mid 60s, you're starting to see, you know, the space race between the Americans and the Soviets um, that you can use as a vehicle. Um, like you said, you know, perhaps the idea of kind of spy movies are more interesting than kind of what, um, you know, was coming out in the 50s with, you know, Seven Samurai or Forbidden Castle um, with with that. So, you know, they're they're getting trendy in a way. Well, I think the other notable thing about that, too, and like that very stark, you know, change in direction, um, it's on purpose and not a bad way. Because I, I, you could kind of look at it one of two ways. Like they went down this route of, you know, more geared for kids and Godzilla becomes more of a hero and the guy you root for and cheer for to beat up the bad monster and send yeah. him back to fucking hell or whatever. Um, they could have gone the other way where it was like, we want to focus on continuing to push the bounds of special effects and making these monster directed um, action flicks more intense and liken it to something like, um, I don't know, action movies or horror movies in the 80s. Yeah. Where everything was just consistently, constantly trying to outdo the last outdo, big yeah. thing. So it could have gone one of those two routes. The sure. more cost-effective route, though, is let's dumb it down a little bit, reuse our stuff for the kids' audience, because, yeah, A, yeah, yeah. they're going to spend money. Um, yeah. You know, parents are going to bring their kids to the cinema in the 60s and the 70s to go out for an afternoon to catch a Godzilla flick. Yeah. Um, But also, like, kids' is, uh, but also kids' opinion, their barometer for quality, like... Who gives a shit, man? Let's just it, make these buku bucks and get the fuck out. Exactly. It's it's very kiss centric. Keep it simple, stupid. You know, the plot line is not, you know, kind of hard to follow. Um, it's not, you know, crazy over the top. Um, you know, the the humans are involved, but they're not making a huge difference. They're not changing the world. You know, they're just basically kind of there to set up the plot for the monsters to appear as they should do that's mm. the only reason they're there i'm just here to see godzilla kick someone's ass and if you try to tell me that kyle mclaughlin or bobby millie brown or their fucking annoying mom from kicking the monsters you try to tell me that they're cool i'm gonna have to strongly oh man disagree just you be know glad. what? Bobby Millie Brown was fine. I was just mad that she wasn't really more of a conduit to communicate with Mothra. And then they tried to fucking shove the twins in there at the end of the movie. That made me mad. And Kyle McLaughlin, I ain't never watched that fucking football show, okay? I don't give a shit about <laughs> that football show. I bet you that football show often has plot lines that revolve around whether or not a player should go back into the game because he had a fucking concussion. Am I right? Tweet at yeah. me at DB yeah, Super Dope yeah, yeah. One. Am I right? I bet you I am. I don't care if you like that show. I bet you it's a good show, regardless of the fucking conditions and the commentary on how football is a fucked up barbaric sport. I just dropped my phone. Excuse me. Kyle McLaughlin could suck my dick in that movie. Okay? He was the least enjoyable part of Godzilla oh King of the Monsters. He is literally the only reason I have not gone back to watch that movie because I don't want to sit through his oh dopey, dumb, thick, eyebrow-looking fuck face of a goddamn... Pro fuck you, Kyle McLaughlin! All I gotta say is... Just be glad you haven't watched the cartoon trilogy. The anime one? Yeah. Bad News Bears? Was Kyle McLaughlin in it? No. Don't make me punch my TV accidentally it, later it, on, Brandon. It, it is 
the most complicated plots I'd ever sat through. I have heard very terrible things about it. Yeah. Oh man. I mean, I, and I heard I, it's very human centric. Like Godzilla's I fucking hate, like not not a super constant in that thing. I hate to complain about anything Godzilla related. You know that because of all the fan pages that just fucking trash. So all I gotta so, say is it gets tough. Brandon does this really fun thing every once in a while. Like, especially you did it the other day <laughs> where I was like, what's up, dude? How you been? He's like, oh, no, no, no. I'm like, hey, man, I saw this thing. Um, and this Godzilla, he's like, oh, I had to mute all of those pages. Dude, man. I, can't I do it anymore. have snoozed all of the Godzilla fan pages like for months now because and I get it and I get it. I can't do it. It's the but same. I, just, I love things. to watch you react. To the fucking um the the low shit quality of the people in your family, uh, and it's like, just it's just the four I, same complaints every time. I imagine it's how people feel when I bitch about the toxicity that is the Dragon Ball fandom. Oh yeah, but I you know what I mean. Like it feels so good to get somebody to watch somebody else freak out about their fandom. I have people who you know I've um. My buddy Travis does it about Transformers collectors every once oh. in a while. I got friends who do it about Star Wars fans. I'm kind of a Star Wars fan. Star Wars fans suck ass. <laughs> don't don't get me riled up, man. I'm getting hungry here, and I yeah. can't do that on a hangriness. Yeah, we can't get Brandon hangry. So anyway, that's all a very long way to say. Kyle McLaughlin can suck it, <laughs> and this film is a notable shift in tone. And maybe not quality yet, but it's a sign of things to come in terms of the quality of these films. Most notably, in the next film that we're going to be watching for Godzilla, I'm not sure when we're going to do it. Yeah. But Brandon, what's the next one that we've got on tap? And so, does it feature King Ghidorah? Yes. So it is. What? Uh, war it is War of Monsters. Um, in Japanese, in uh, America, it is Godzilla versus Monster Zero. Um, it will feature Godzilla, Rodan, and King Ghidorah once again. Um, the DVD that I've got here definitely says Astro Monster, right? That is also, yes. Godzilla versus Astro Monster is another title for it. Thank God I stopped to point that um, out. Okay. Uh, I would have been very confused. Otherwise, when we went to watch the next movie, I'd be like, I don't have that one, man. Yeah, Monster yeah, X, Monster the, Zero. What the fuck are you talking about? The English version gets complicated. It's Godzilla is Monster Zero 1. King Ghidorah's, I think, Monster Zero, and Rodan's Monster Zero 2. Um, Way too many so X's and numbers for me to keep it, up with. That's like a one X and like at least three different numbers. I'm good. Oh, there is an X in there. It's um, Planet X. Oh, that's right. There is an X. You know why? Because I read the back of the fucking DVD code. It is. There is to a like Planet try X. To get ready for the next one. Um, so it will be Godzilla uh, in his uh, only physical... Um, out of this world appearance, literally, um, he will be going off planet in an adventure. Um, would he go to the moon to whoop some Martian ass or what? Uh, he goes to planet X. Oh, cool. Um, send will, him there in a spaceship. It will also, how it, big is the spaceship that sends Godzilla to planet X? You'll dude? have to wait and see. God damn it. All right. Uh, wait, one last thing I wanted to mention before we fucking wrap this thing up. Godzilla had radio controlled eyes in the suit because there was damage to his head in the Mothra movie. Yes. As a result, in this movie with uh, King Ghidorah and Mothra it's, and Rodan, the, the one we've been talking about. suit, but with a modified head. Yeah. Dude, his eyes look so effing stupid at certain points. Holy free holies. There's, there's a, a zoom in puppet scene where he 
uh, breathes his atomic radiation on Rodan. Yeah, and he looks fucking possessed. It's ba- it's it's Buck like Wild. His eyes are rolling in the back of his head. No, no, they're no, they're they're set. They're open, but he he like he looks like he's tripping balls or something. <laughs> Dude, we have to grab a screenshot of it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. So Godzilla versus the Astro Monster. Godzilla goes to dick up Planet X. Whatever the next one is. Yep. Um, can't wait to talk with that one. Uh, yep. talk with you about that one. Um, we're gonna try to do these. I don't know. So this is the fifth Godzilla film that we've covered. Uh, since we did a couple of them leading up to King of the Monsters in 2019. Yep. Um, that's not a very good um ratio in terms of like one a month. But maybe we can get back to doing one Godzilla movie a month. Yeah. Um. In that, in that case, we've already talked a little bit about what you can expect in the next one. Uh, if you just so happen to listen to this today because you randomly wanted to listen to a Godzilla podcast and this Ooh. was the only option available to you, A, it better I'm be. sorry. I'm sorry. And B, if you got to the end, we couldn't have been that bad, right? We also do podcasts about Dragon Ball, about My Hero Academia, sometimes about Marvel movies and other nerdy, general, geeky things. So you enjoyed it make sure you rate and subscribe apple Podcasts, stitcher spotify all the places where the podcasts live um and yeah thank you for checking this out i don't know how to end these shows because i usually end it by singing a dragon ball thing like doc zelda brandon was on my show today or something like that but i don't think that worked they did a bad job we're not talking about uh, Dragon Ball, we're not singing Dragon Ball songs, so, um, bump, 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 Brandon, shut the fuck up. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we'll see you, uh, next time. Next, uh, we try to release episodes on Wednesdays. Doesn't always happen, but, uh, if you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe and great job talking about Godzilla, Brandon. I love you so much, and right, uh, th- thanks for being a scholar in <laughs> the in kaijuology. I have to. I'll have to start getting back on my notes for the next few. Kaijuology. Goodbye. <laughs>